Welcome to the Second Students North podcast. My name is Luis, and this is the final week of our series, Christian Atheist. This series focuses on those who claim to be Christians, but their lives and their actions don't reflect that to be true. This week, Dylan talks to us about those who believe in God, but don't fully trust Him. Our prayer is that God would speak to you through this podcast, no matter where you are in your faith. We hope you enjoy week five of Christian Atheist. So if you guys have been following along with us, we are in a series called Christian Atheist. And for those who don't know, uh, we are defining Christian Atheist as someone who says, who claims that they believe in God, but their lives don't reflect that to be true. They believe in God, but they live as if he doesn't exist. And we think about this and we're like, that's crazy, right? Someone who truly believes in God, who truly knows God, and their lives are not living out in a manner that shows that to be true. We're like, man, if you truly believe in God, shouldn't that cause your entire life to radically change? And I think if we're honest with ourselves, there are areas of each of our lives that maybe we don't look exactly like we feel like we should or exactly like we, we know that we're called to look. We're all broken and we've all have fallen short. And so as we've been going along in this series, the other four weeks we've talked about those who believe in God but don't truly know him. Those who believe in God but don't truly fear him. Those who believe in God but don't want to go all out, they don't want to go overboard. And last week we talked about those who believe in God but they don't feel, they don't think that they can change. Tonight, I'm going to talk to you about those who believe in God, but don't trust him fully. You believe in God, but maybe there's certain areas of your life that you don't, you haven't truly surrendered or truly given it up to the Lord. Maybe it's in your relationship. Maybe it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you, whenever you're with that person, you're just like, God, you're out of the picture. I don't trust you with that person's life. I don't trust you with this relationship that I have with them. Maybe it's a fa- your family. Maybe you don't trust God with the relationships that you, you have with your family members or you don't entrust your family's lives to God. Maybe it's at school. Maybe you walk with God all apart on, in every other field of your life. You're on the weekends, you're coming to church. Even in your family, you're, you're, you're living and you're walking a Christian life. But as soon as you step into the doors of that school, it's like, a, it's like a switch. And you turn him off and you don't walk like you should anymore. Maybe there's part of our lives that we don't trust him fully. There are so many different areas in which we may be holding back And tonight, I think that God is going to show each of you um, where those are in your life. And I think ultimately what this all boils down to is just a desire for control. So I'm going to have you all raise your hands. Who likes to be in control in here? Anybody? Yeah, pretty much everybody's hand in the room went up. How many of y'all actually wanted to raise the hand of the person next to you? Because you're like, man, you you know you like to be in control. And they're holding their hands and you're like, you, you, yourself, you should know that you are you really like to be in control, okay? What about, what about your Starbucks order? If they don't get your, your venti green tea, maca chai, venti triple shot drink perfect, you're about to bust some caps, right? You're gonna take out that, that Starbucks drive through barista because they did not get your drink perfectly and they ruined your whole day. You like to be in control. Maybe it's whenever you're going out to eat. If that person picks Freebirds instead of Chipotle, oh, 
it's going to go down. It's going to go down. No one picks Freebirds over Chipotle, okay? Chipotle forever. What about for those who can drive in here? Maybe when you're stuck in traffic, you're like, you want to be in control. You wish you could just like Bruce Almighty, like part the seas, let the cars drive off to the side, and you could just go on your own merry way. You wish and you want and you desire to be in control. And when you think of it, <clears throat> when you want to be in control, it's because we think that we can do a better job. And when we don't trust God, it's because we think that we can do a better job than Him. We think that we can do a better job than the creator of the universe, God Almighty, the King of everything. We think that we can do a better job than Him. We are living out this verse, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Lean on your own understanding. In some of your ways, acknowledge him and you can make your own path straight. Well, if y'all couldn't tell and if you weren't squirming in your seats whenever I was reading that, that's not what the Bible says. That is the PSV version, the partially surrendered version, well, I guess partially surrendered version, version, the way that I said it, the PSV version, that's partially surrendered. And we, a lot of us, and I think every, well, everyone in here at certain points of our life live out a partially surrendered life in certain areas. We live out the partially surrendered version of this verse. We give God some things, but not everything. We give him some things, but not everything. Maybe you're like, I'll give you an hour or two on Sunday, but you know, the rest of the week, that's mine, God. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do what I want with that. Or maybe I'll give you, I'll give you five or ten minutes in the morning, but then maybe maybe I'll come, I'll come and talk to you. I'll spend some more time with you again whenever whenever I come home tonight. Hey, it's it's great that you saved me. Man, I'm I'm so thankful that you saved me, but I'm I'm gonna go do my own thing. Um I'm I'm not gonna change the way that I live. Or maybe, you know, God, I surrendered this thing to you. I, I, I prayed to you. I asked you. I gave this thing to you. But, you know, it's, 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 it's been about a week now, and you really haven't done anything with that. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take that back because, you know, I can, I can do a better job. I can, I can handle it from here. We think that we can do a better job and we like to be in control. And so tonight, I'm going to submit to you three reasons that uh, could lead us to failing to trust God. The first reason is that we expect God to work on our time schedule. We expect God to work on our time schedule. We, whenever we ask God to do things or we ask for help or we're expecting these things from God, we think that he's going to give us fast food service, right? We're like, all right, I prayed for this yesterday. God, you should answer this tomorrow. But what you have to know is that he's working. He's working through all that time, but we think that we, we, we want to see the fruit of it right away. And we're, we're quick to say that, that God's just not listening. He's just not listening and he's just not working, but we, it's because we expect him to work on our time schedule. Second Peter 3, 8 says, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. I look at this and I see that he sees a thousand years to your one day. 
when we fail to trust him and we, we, we think that he works on our time schedule. We see that the things that we are dealing with today, God has seen in advance a thousand years to this one day. He knows exactly what's happening today and he knows exactly what's, what it's going to lead to a thousand years from now. And we're not even going to live a thousand years from now. I, I, I hate to break it to you. We're not going to be on this earth a thousand years from now. And God sees more than a thousand years. He is outside of time, right? He is all-knowing, all-seeing. He is the one who put the time stamp on creation. He's the one who put time on creation. And he's planned it all out. There's not a thing that, that, that gets past him. There's not a thing that he doesn't know. And we, we, we think that he works on our time schedule. God knows much better than we do. It may not make sense to us, but God, God totally knows what's going on. James 5, 7 says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. In James, we see that we're called to be patient, right? We, we, we think that God works on our time schedule, but we're called to be patient when we, when we are unsure what, he is, when he's, what he's doing, when we don't understand what he's doing, we're called to be patient because he is faithful. We're called to be patient until the coming of the Lord. There is such anticipation in that verse. Until the coming of the Lord, until the day that he comes again, until the day that he takes us home. And I think that we can even see this from day to day. Because the Lord is going to show up in your lives. And I think that everybody here in this room can, can recall times in your life that the Lord has showed up. And you know that. You know that without a doubt. He had showed up in your life. We're patient until the coming of the Lord. The Lord is going to show up in your life. It may not be on your time schedule, but he's going to show up and he is working in what seems to be silence. They use a, uh, an example of a farmer because the agricultural lifestyle it, it is known to be a very patient lifestyle, right? Especially back then because they didn't have all these giant dig dirt, all these harvesting machine things, all these giant green John Deere tractors or all that. They didn't have any of that. The, the, the process was even slower than it was today. They were waiting for the early and the late rains. And I think that we're quick to wait for the early rains, the immediate blessing and the immediate moving of God in our life, but then we're, we're, we're ready to dip out before the late rains are able to even get there. And what you have to know is that God has promised both the early and the late rains. What if the farmer in his, in his impatience decided to rip up all of his crops from his field just after the, late, or the early rains because he was like, man, my crops didn't grow like I thought they would. They didn't grow full. They're just like partially grown and they look awful and I, I guess I just tear them up now because it's not what I expected. But if he was to leave them in there and wait for the late rains, then those crops would, would gain to the, the fullness of their growth, they would grow in a way that is to, to, to the fullness of what he would have expected of, of uh, more, more blessing and more harvest than he could even imagine. So for us, we are called to wait for the early and the late rains. The blessing that comes immediately and the blessing that is promised to come later. We just have to be patient. God is moving. God is moving. Number two. We think that what we want 
is what we need. We think that what we want is what we need. We all have wants, desires, and needs in this room. And I'm the first to admit that there are so many times that I think that what I want is truly what I need. And this is just not always the case. In Matthew 7, 9 through 11, Jesus says, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? See, I think I read this verse and immediately, I think we can be like, man, I'm, I'm asking God for bread and he's, he's given me a stone. Or I'm asking God for a fish and he's given me a serpent. Why is he giving me these things that I'm not asking for? But then I'll tell you to read the verse again and, and look in verse 11 and see how we who are evil, we who are wicked, we who are broken, we who have sin, sin dwelling in us, we know how to give good gifts to the ones that we love. How much more does our Father in heaven know how to give you good gifts? So I would submit to you that maybe what you're asking him for is a stone and he's trying to give you bread. Maybe what you're, you're asking him for is, is a serpent and he's trying to give you a fish. See, God in heaven knows what you need and he knows what is good for you. More than you know what is good for you. We have to trust, we have to trust that he does. Because oftentimes the things that we ask for would lead us to death, would lead us to pain. But God is faithful to give us what is good for us. What he wants to give us is life and fullness of joy. Paul says in Philippians 4.19, My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Every need. And this is what I love about the word of God is that it's true. That when my mind, and when I have doubts, when I'm confused, when I'm all over the place, I can go to this word and know that it's true. And know that my God, my God, your God, will supply every need of ours. Every need, according to what? According to the riches that are available to us in Christ Jesus. He has offered that to us. God has offered that to us through his son, the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And this word is true. Number three, we don't want to give up what we have. We don't want to give up what we have. We think that what we have is better. See, the life that God calls us to is, is one that calls for a lot of surrender, to lay down everything, and we, there's so many things that we would rather hold on to than give up to God and when, when we walk with him. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, <clears throat> where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I ask you tonight, where is your heart? Is your heart on the things of this world, on the things of this earth? 
Where, where, where moths destroy, where, where thieves come in and steal, or is it in heaven? Is it in the kingdom or in heaven of the things that God has offered to you? Do, you? do you set your mind and your heart on him, or are you setting them on the things of this world? Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. See, the things of this world, the things that the enemy pushes us to and, and, and tries to push us towards, those things will destroy. Those things will steal life from us. Those things will, will kill. But what Jesus wants for us is life and life abundantly. Life so abundant that we can't even imagine. So why, why do we think what we have is better? Jesus says to the, the woman at the well, he says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Why do we think what we have is better? See, Jesus goes to this woman and says, hey, you don't need to come to this grungy old well every single day and travel all those miles to come and, 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 and pull the water from this well because I've got, I've got water for you that when you drink of it, you'll never be thirsty again. And I see this in our lives. There's so many things that we can see as these grungy old wells in our life, the things of the world, the things that we are, are desiring more than him, right? There's, there's so often things that we desire more than him. We would be more willing to go to that grungy old well than to, 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 to go to Jesus when he even tells us, this water that I have for you, you will never go thirsty again if you drink of it. And not only that, but he says, I will create in you a wellspring up to eternal life in you. If you are in Jesus, and if, 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 if you are his he creates in you a wellspring that will never run out. You have a source that will never go dry. He wants to be your living water, and he wants to be that for you. Why do we think that what we have is better? We should be willing to give up everything for that, because what he's offering is so much better. We become so focused on material need that we forget our eternal need. So focused on material need that we, we, we forget our eternal need. We don't, we don't trust him because we think that what we can get on our own is better. So behind me, there's going to be a picture of an animal. So this is an African impala for all of you out there. I love this picture because this guy in the front, he literally looks like he's just about to like fall over on his face. But if you watch videos on YouTube, this is literally how they run and jump. They like kick their legs like behind them and they like do this like weird pendulum thing. It's actually really cool. And then this guy in the back is just like, oh, what's up? What's that pointing at me right now? Oh, what's up? So the thing about this Impala is that they are incredibly agile, incredibly fast, super athletic. They can jump to heights of 10 feet in the air. That's like regulation-sized basketball goal. Imagine that, 10 feet in the air. 10 feet in the air. 
At full speeds, they can jump a length of 33 feet. I can't even imagine like, how long that is. I don't even know how long that is in reference to the stage. I don't know the dimensions of the stage. But 33 feet in length, and they can run at 50 miles per hour in a zigzag, like zigzag back and forth, 50 miles per hour. These animals are like straight up beast mode, okay? They are super athletic. But the thing about an impala is that when you put them into captivity, you only need like a three to five foot wall to keep them in there. And that's because if the impala can't see where their feet are going to land, then they won't jump. See, I think that we, we live like this. We live like this because we, we want to know all the details of how God is working and where God is taking us and where our feet are going to land at the end of the day that we just, we just don't jump. And we live like we're in captivity, like we're in this, this cage, like we're in this uh, zoo. It's just hindering us. The impala, his, his, his ability and his capability is hindered by this tiny little barrier, this three to five foot wall, simply because he can't see where his feet are going to go. And I think that in the same way, we are hindered from our true capability and our true ability, and we are hindered from seeing God's ability when we don't put our full faith and trust in him. We're scared instead of, of where our feet are going to land, and we don't trust him that he's going he's to have steady and solid ground for us on the other side. So that verse that I horribly misquoted earlier was Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 in the partially surrendered version. So this is the actual verse. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. See, I think that oftentimes we, we, we live that partially surrendered version. We would rather say some of our heart than all of our heart. We would rather lean on our own understanding than on the truth of God and on the faithfulness of God. We would be walking on on sand rather than stone. In some of your ways, acknowledge him. Not, not in all of your ways, in some of your ways. That's how we often live. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And I think that we do this because we want God to prove himself before we trust him. We want God to prove himself before we trust him. And then I ask, what if, what if God did that for you? What if he asked you to prove yourself before he, he, he invited you into his kingdom. And I'm here to tell you tonight that it's, it's easy to look at all these, all these different weeks and, and look at the titles of all of these, these messages and be like, man, I've blown it in every single one. Don't fear him. Yeah, there's been some times that I, 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 haven't, I haven't feared him. Sometimes that I haven't wanted to go overboard. Yeah guilty. Sometimes that I didn't think that I could change, definitely. Sometimes that I felt like I didn't, I didn't know him, 
Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of us in here sitting in this room that feel the same way. And what I'm here to tell you tonight is that you don't have to prove yourself to God. That's why he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus was enough. See, the fact that you are a son or a daughter of God is not dependent on your performance. It's not dependent upon your performance. And I've lived that way before. And I'm going to tell you, it is exhausting to try to be enough for God when what he is telling you is that you are enough because my son was enough for you. And there's some of you in here tonight that have never, have never understood that. Never understood that it's not about what you do, it's not about how good you are. God simply says that, I love you. You're broken, but I love you. And this is why I sent my son. That thing that you have failed to trust him in, that thing that you have failed to trust him in, that thing that you have wanted more than him, he says, I sent my son for that. I sent my son for that because I knew that you weren't going to trust me. I knew that you were going to want to go a different way. I knew that you were going to want that thing more than me. I sent my son for that. So he sent his son to this world to live the perfect life that we could never live, to do the performance that we could never carry out. He lived the perfect life for us on our behalf and then went to the cross for every sinful thing that we have ever done, did today, and will ever do. Jesus paid for everything on the cross so that we might be able to come to God.